Welcome back to the Writer's Nook Podcast. I'm Hannah Bauman, editor and writing coach. And I'm Leah Chason, a fantasy and romance writer. With Valentine's Day just last week, Hannah and I thought a romance episode was in order. Whether it's a full-on romance novel or just a romantic subplot in another genre, romance offers both the author and reader a chance to explore some of our most human experiences. Um, before we get started, just as a little content warning for you listeners, we will be touching on some sensitive topics towards the end of the episode, including um, assault, toxic relationships, and just like what not to do in romance. Um, so if you or someone you're listening with would like to avoid those topics for whatever reason, we will be also be giving you another warning before we talk about them. So with that out of the way, let's get started on romance. So not that anyone here can verify this, but I currently work as a romance ghostwriter and I have written over 30 paranormal romance novels, something around Oh my there. goodness, over 30? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're not like, so I think they fall technically under novella length. But they're, they're damn close to novel length. That's a lot. That's a lot of books, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so, romance expert. So while it sparked some interesting conversations on our last trip together, if you don't recall, Hannah. Oh, I do. We can't tell you what that is, my friends, but we had some interesting conversations. <laughs> Every Uber driver. Yeah. Um, This job has also taught me a lot about the structure and expectations of romance. So I don't really write romance too much, um, except as subplots in my own stories. Uh, But I do edit romance novels, like the actual romance genre, as well as novels with romantic subplots. Um, A lot of stories do have those romantic elements, and I personally love that. That's super fun. I am honestly the biggest sucker for romance in all forms. So the question today is how do you write a romance that your readers are going to love? So first things first is that I have noticed you need to have interesting dynamic characters. Romance is incredibly character driven. So having strong characters is a must. You want your readers to be invested in them. You want them to be perfect and super cool. But they also need to have flaws and fears for this romance arc to work. If they were perfect and nothing got in the way, it's less of a romance arc than a more of an example of a healthy relationship. Which is cool, but not what we came here for. A romance arc relies on following people throughout their emotional process of falling in love and all the scary things that come with it. Once you have strong independent characters, you need a realistic build-up to this relationship. There are a few things that pull me out of a story more than instant love. Um, There can definitely be instant attraction. I think, you know, that's part of the fun tension, right? But the reason it's a romance plot is because there are intrigues and pitfalls. It's not smooth sailing, love at first sight, no problems ever time. Like, that doesn't even happen in the real world. So why would it happen in fiction, right? It really takes time to trust someone and truly fall for them. And the same goes for all fictional romances. Like I said earlier, if the characters hit it off immediately and don't face any obstacles, then it's just not as riveting. Readers such as Hannah and myself yearn for that will-they-won't-they chemistry. We keep turning the page. That's... Ah, I love it. We keep turning the page to see if the characters will overcome their fears to get together. That's best done with a slow burn. 
Your characters might not even find each other attractive at first, but over the course of events and characterization, they see each other in a new light. Oh, I love a good slow burn. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. (laughs) So while the relationship itself does not have to be full of conflict, like between the two people, uh, because it's 2020 and we do not need to romanticize like toxic relationships, the characters can face other obstacles, um, including maybe their own baggage and their own problems that they need to deal with. Um, you know, other people trying to prevent this relationship, other circumstances that makes for a really great give and take. Um, just look on book Twitter or bookstagram. Almost everyone loves that slow burn. How slow that may be is up to you and how it plays into the story. But again, no insta love. Another key element of romantic plots is tension. You gotta raise the stakes for this relationship somehow. Of course, the biggest stake in a romance arc is if they're gonna get together. Slow burn relies on that question and draws it out like an ominous note in a horror movie until you want to yell at the screen. Kind of like when we read Izzel and Adrian. Yes, they are two characters from the Witchland series, which we have mentioned on this podcast several times. Uh, And you know they should be together, but they don't know they should be together. And it's just enjoyably frustrating watching it play out. And they keep going in separate directions. (laughs) If you can't tell, we get very worked up about these slow burn romances. (laughs) But tension can come in other forms, too. Will the heroine choose love or the time she's already invested in another guy? Will the hero forgive the heroine's family for some old grudge? We won't know unless we keep reading. Drawing these questions out over the length of the book adds tension and raises the stakes of this romance. And of course, you need to find ways to build intimate moments into the story. And by that, I don't necessarily mean sexy moments, although if you want to include those, that is also great. Just make sure you build up to those, too. What I mean by intimate moments are the scenes where all interested parties in this romance share something that brings their relationship and love to the next level. Think about ways you can put your characters together and ways to build on both physical and emotional intimacy. Like characters got to be vulnerable with each other to get that connection. And like Hannah has done before, I break it down into two forms. The first is the emotional connection she was just talking about. This is where the romance pair share their private information they can bond over. Person A reveals why they left their hometown five years ago, so person B can now understand. Or person A admits to a deep fear of rejection, person B says they feel the same. These moments of shared revelation or shared growth pull their people together and bond them in a way that they have not bonded with anybody else. The shared experience of vulnerability and trust is how relationships are built in real life, and readers want to see the same theme mirrored on the page. Emotional connection and intimacy are really, I think, just as juicy as those physical connections. Speaking of which, the other form of intimacy comes from physical interactions. Person A offers a hand up to person B and they end up a little too close. Or they have to hide from the law in a narrow alley where their bodies are pressed up against one another. That trope does it every time. I love it. I'm sitting over here in my in my home office while it's pouring outside, and all I can think of is the scene from the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, where Mr. Darcy um, helps Elizabeth into the carriage, but then you have the like the hand flex 
close shot. Uh, so good. Doesn't matter what form this is in. <laughs> While those examples are steamy, it doesn't always have to be plain steam. Like Hannah just said, that was just hand-holding. Try to mix the two. Reveal personal information while stepping into a physical interaction. Talk about a tattoo, a scar, or how one person cannot stand to be touched by anyone other than their love interest. Write these in stages. Keep turning up the intensity every time until you reach a breaking point. This breaking point is often pre-climax. No pun intended. It makes the reader afraid this romance will fail. Um, now that we have the no pun intended, although I would like to think that's a really great pun we threw in, let's get into some tropes that you can use to your advantage when you're writing romance. There are a lot of different devices and tropes you can use to build up a believable romance in your book. But for the sake of our 20-ish minute podcast, we are just going to cover some of the all-time classics. And if you're a fanfic reader, these are things you'd see all the time in the tags. Things like slow burn. Enemies to lovers, friends to lovers, and my favorite, there's only one bed. I'm going to stop myself before I go on a tangent about there's only one bed because that's my favorite. (laughs) Keeping it professional. So keep in mind that there's a really distinct line between a cliche and a trope. A trope is a device that an author can use time and time again consciously or not these are just dynamics that we see built into stories all the time they work and readers love them and that's why they are popular think of it kind of as a recurring theme it just might be presented differently and go at a different pace for different characters and different stories cliches on the other hand feel really tedious and overdone they're vague sweeping statements that usually aren't true or maybe a half truth so you know a trope is is way different than that. You can certainly shove a cliche character into a trope if you wanted, but tropes and cliches are not the same thing. Tropes are your friend. As I said, readers love them. We are drawn to them. Like Leah and I freaking out over there's only one bed. Enemies to lovers is one of my other personal favorites. <laughs> of course. I could read stories with that trope a thousand times and still not be tired of it. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's dig in. So, Enemies to Lovers is always a favorite because it comes with a lot of pre-packaged chemistry. The energy used to loathe someone can quickly translate into intense feelings of affection after an emotional epiphany occurs. There's that feeling of guilt, like person A shouldn't want person B. It has its own kind of allure as well. Forbidden romance has tempted us for centuries. I speak for myself when I say a lot of girls had that hot for teacher phase when they're teens. It has the same energy. Yeah, enemies to lovers and forbidden romance. That's um, You can really blur the line there and really uh, up the tension if you want to. So enemies to lovers is really similar to another trope, which is friends to lovers. Big difference is that there's not really that loathing happening between them. For friends to lovers, you can think of it more like two best friends who don't want to admit their feelings because they're scared of ruining a a relationship. That alone is full of so much tension. And friends usually have some level of chemistry already just as people. So that give and take that they have is going to leave readers wanting more. And like friends to lovers has a built-in obstacle there. The obstacle is that they don't want to ruin their friendship and they need to work to get over that. 
Foil couples are also great for chemistry. This can star as an enemies to lovers trope as well. These characters should clash in ideologies and personality, but they later find that they balance each other well. This is honestly most of the Six of Crows crew. Take a good look at them and how they matched up. Nina and Matthias are both soldiers. But that's where their similarities end, really. She loves luxury. He's a simple man. She's outgoing. He's a grumbling curmudgeon. Even Jesper and Wylan have wildly opposing personalities that make for a very interesting confession scene. Do not get me started on my Six of Crows crew. Um, all of those relationships are really fun to read. So if you want to see a fantastic example of foil couples, um, go read the Six of Crows duology by Lee Bardugo. Moving on, though, before I go on a tangent about how much I love those books, let's talk about reunited lovers. This is a couple or relationship where the individuals have drifted apart for some reason. Again, it goes back to the built-in obstacles that already exist within these dynamics. With people drifting apart, that could be someone leaving a small town to go to college and they came home after a long time under less than ideal circumstances. It could be anything. However, these characters get drawn apart. Their past fire and intimacy comes back when they're reunited. That attraction has never faded over time and it ultimately brings them back together. Um, a really popular example of this would be The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks. I am so over that movie and just other things surrounding that in general. But I wanted to include it because I don't know anyone who doesn't know that example. In it, Ali and Noah are torn apart by circumstances, you know, like World War II, family issues, that kind of thing. But when they reunite, they get their happy ending. And you can pick and choose from these. You can use one, you can use many. Some of them blend together well, as you've seen. The tropes offer not only familiarity to your reader, but a kind of prepackaged chemistry that you can pour onto the page. Your couple will always have something between them that they have to overcome. It is the overcoming of those obstacles that make a romance worth it. And of course, those are not the only tropes in romance, just a few of the super popular ones that never get old. As Leah already touched on, tropes work because they're familiar setups. You know, it feels almost like coming home when you find that trope again with characters you love. And just because they're familiar does not mean they're stagnant. There are tons of ways you can play with these tropes to incorporate fan favorites, build on chemistry, but still do something really unique with your characters and their development together. Oh yes, and romance works not only as the main plot, but as a subplot very well. Yeah, romance makes a fantastic subplot and is really popular in other genres. I'm a sucker for a romantic subplot in any genre, but specifically because I read so much fantasy and science fiction, both for pleasure and for my clients, I really love to see romantic subplots in those genres. As a subplot, the obstacles between the characters will come as pieces of the main plot. Uh, this is kind of a fantasy example, like Hannah and Joyce. But maybe person A works for the evil king, while person B is trying to overthrow the evil king. See how the plot and the arc mesh there? Oh, I do, because that's kind of something happening in my own work in progress. That might have been where I got the example from. <laughs> I love it. It's a great one. So we actually also have an episode on subplots, so we're not going to rehash the whole thing here. If you want to learn more about subplots and how to use them in your story, you can listen to episode 11. We've covered things that should happen, but intimate relationships can come with some gray areas, and we should take a moment to touch on the don'ts of writing romance. 
Sounds good to me. So, I'm going to start. LGBTQ relationships aren't vulgar or meant to be hidden, as some people like to act. People's sexuality don't need to further the plot. If your character's straight and that doesn't further the plot or have some sort of grand meeting, then let's be honest, why ask that of any other sexuality? And if you're going to write an LGBTQ romance into your story, think twice if you plan on killing off one of the romantic partners. It's something that tends to happen a lot, time and time again, and it kind of needs to come to an end. People treat LGBTQ characters like they deserve to hurt, like they can't have happy endings. Yeah, basic rule of thumb, if you wouldn't do it to a straight heteronormative character, don't do it to your non-straight, non-heteronormative characters. Treat them like the people that they are. Just keep that in mind as you write those. So another thing that you might want to avoid is drama for the sake of drama, um, in romance or in any relationship between characters. When it's all drama all the time and characters being just really, really crappy toward each other for no... For no internal reason. No internal reason, right. If a character's working through something and they act out, that's one thing. But if you're just writing drama because you want to add drama, the relationship is going to be toxic. If you are trying to show a toxic relationship, that's great because you're doing what you set out to do. You just want to consider character development if you want those characters to change, which hopefully you do to set a good example and teach a lesson. Most of the time, though, in romance, toxicity is not your goal. Just because your characters are facing obstacles on the path toward a romantic relationship doesn't mean they have to be bad people toward each other. Think outside the box when it comes to conflict. There are so many other things you can do. And as a content warning here, we're about to touch on sexual assault. If you or someone you're listening with is uncomfortable with this topic, skip ahead by about two minutes. Are you ready? Yes. So... One other thing that happens in, quote, romance sometimes is that sexual assault will be used for this relationship drama I just mentioned. Um, sexual assault is a very difficult topic. And while I think it's important that we tackle those hard topics and have those hard conversations, it's not fodder for your drama. Um, an example of this would be in the Battlestar Galactica reboot in the 2000s. This was an issue that I really had with it. They had this as a subplot didn't go over well. So what this means is not using assault to show the difference between the right and the wrong love interest. If you have a love triangle, that's just really terrible. And I have no other words than that. You also shouldn't use assault as a tragic backstory or to have one character save the other, quote unquote. There are so many other complex backgrounds and scenarios to build trust and intimacy. It's one thing to work out your own trauma through writing, and that's understandable. But it's another to use these events because you think they're scandalous or racy. Of course, this topic is very complex and nuanced, which is what we aren't getting into right here. But there are a lot of great resources out there if you want to grapple with this topic in your future work. You can also reach out to your therapist or another therapist online to ask them further questions. Yes, that is a great point. So on that note, content warnings are a really touchy subject in the book world, but I think they can be really helpful no matter what subject or, you know, traumatic experiences you are going to include in your book. Any themes that people may want to avoid from mentions of mental illness to even something like a steamy romance, even if it's a healthy steamy romance, are totally up for a content warning. 
So I like to think of them as a TV rating, you know, like when you turn on a TV show, at least in America, you get like TV 14, viewer discretion is advised. It lets you know what themes you might encounter without spoiling your plot. And it helps people make really informed choices about what they consume. And I don't see how that's a bad thing. And if it's not something that you personally are looking for, it doesn't mean that the option shouldn't be there at all. There's always things that we don't want as individuals, but things that communities want as a whole. Exactly. We hope we've helped you, whether or not you're writing romance novels or romantic arcs in your novels. Next time, we will be back with more information about The Messy Middle as our second-to-last episode of Season 2. Oh, it's that time already? Yep. At the time of recording, we don't have a plan to launch date for Season 3 yet, but stay tuned and make sure you subscribe to the podcast for an update episode that will announce that date sometime, probably late spring? Yep, so that's what we're shooting for. But, you know, technical difficulties, the flu, it's been hitting us hard in January and February. If you want to keep up with us in the meantime, uh, I'm tripping over my words. Please follow us on our personal writing social accounts. I am at BTL Editorial all over social media, though you'll mostly find me on Instagram these days. I'm at lc underscore chason spelled like the chia pet and tend to be on twitter we're also available at writer's nook pod on all social media and you can email us at podcast at btleditorial.com we'll see you next time bye Thanks to Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com for our intro and outro music.